Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. This is Bustin' Loose Baseball with Grant and Danny. Interviews, analytics, and analysis on everything baseball in the nation's capital. This is Bustin' Loose Baseball alongside Danny Ruye. I'm Grant Paulson. Producer Darius Dameron alongside as well. You will hear from him throughout this podcast. The Nats, as we record on this Wednesday, have dropped all five of their games to the Miami Marlins this season. Danny, they keep beat Miami. I mean, it used to be. It's like, oh, good, you get to play the Marlins. The thing about Miami now is they can pitch, bro. They don't give up runs. Seems like everyone in that rotation throws 95. But yesterday, you had a bullpen game, and you still couldn't hit against Miami this is a tough watch at times right now for this group because there's plenty of games where they don't hit, and they throw the ball all over the place. We're getting this circus blooper defense like every night at this point. Yeah, and it, and it compounds. I mean, and it's it's there's these things, these epidemic in sports, right? That happens where in, in basketball, for example, it's a missed free throw. Then all of a sudden, another guy misses a free throw. Then otherwise, great shooters feel the pressure and they miss a free throw, and it becomes this thing. It happens with defense. Otherwise, solid defensive players. You know, one miscue happens, you're aware that you lead the major leagues in errors, and next thing you know, it's all compounded. You're trying to make a perfect play or a great play, and you know, it's just this is the this is an unfair game in a million different ways, right? And, and it always finds a way to humble you. You can hit line drives and be out. It's why they don't have percentages in a lot of cases. They call it averages, right? Because you get three pop-ups and be three for three. You get three bullets right at people and be 0 for three. But over the long course of the season, those things kind of average out. And that's why they call it that. So you you watch this, you know, in, in other sports, whether it's football, basketball, anything else, you could usually make up for a bad game in some other capacity with effort. You can't out-try baseball. 
you got to try easy. It's just the hardest thing to do in the world, right? Where you put in more effort in-game. doesn't necessarily help you to tense up, to tighten things up. And you're watching a group, especially with Juan Soto, who we're going to talk about here in a minute, trying to make the great play, trying to hit the five-run home run, trying to do something extra special every time. And you can see it. I, I think really do think it's mounting as this group is scuffling. Well, uh, let's get into Soto. So we talked to Dave Jagler, who I'm sure at some point we'll have on Bustin' Loose Baseball, one of our good buddies who is one half of the radio team with Charlie Slows that calls every Nats game. He was on Grant and Danny, our daily show on 106.7 The Fan, this week. And he was talking about noticing frustration with Soto that you don't normally see. And I have been talking about this with my wife and with people in my life for a couple of weeks. You see it, man. It's more slamming the bat down. It's more arguing balls and strikes on balls in the strike zone, frankly. And this is my favorite player in sports. This, I love this guy. You can't get me to say anything bad about him. He's not having a bad year. Everyone's acting like he's having this bad season or he's down. He's not. He's having a really good year. His OPS until the last couple of games was over 900. It's still well above league average. Everything he does, he does at a nearly elite level, even this season. But there is one area where he's really struggling. And I think it comes back to seeing some of that frustration. He knows he's got to carry this group. It's basically him against the world. He's a one-man army. Now, if he took a step back and looked, you got Josh Bell, you got Yadiel Hernandez, who's hitting a little bit as well. But in his mind, going into this season, and without Nelson Cruz slugging the way you thought he was going to, it's basically you and Bell and not much else, and he knows that. Danny, right now, he's got 11 RBI with eight home runs, and everyone says, they look at that and they go, man, Juan Soto, what a terrible lineup. How dare they not give him more supporting cast? Well, part of it is, that this is not a great group around him. He's got 11 RBI because he's not coming through with runners in scoring position, though. He's 2 for 27. Think about that. 2 for 27 with runners in scoring position. And one of those two hits didn't score the run. I say this all the time. There was a runner at third, mm-hmm. a second. He got a hit, and the runner got held up at third. So he's basically 1 for 27 at scoring runs when he's got runners in scoring position with hits. That's going to change. That will even out. I worry about him zero. I'm not losing sleep. I'm not an ounce of worry about Juan Soto. But it is what it is. got to talk about it. He's 2 for 27 with runners in scoring position. Had another night where he had a couple of opportunities he couldn't come through against the Marlins here. And this is a story because it is not only hurting him, but Davey Martinez after game two against Miami basically said, our big guys in the middle have to drive in runs. And he might have been talking about Nelson Cruz, who stranded the bases loaded, who hasn't been able to too often this season as well. But Juan Soto's part of that, and I think he's talking about him as well. Yeah, and it's all a part of the discussion. I mean, he's, as you said, things will equalize. I think he's got a comically low batting average on balls in play. It's just over 260, I think, as of this recording. That's not sustainable. That's going to change. But a lot of it is he's not making great contact. A lot of it is he's not firing off his A-hack, the Juan Soto swing that we're so used to seeing more often than not. I mean, uh, Franz had pointed out on the on the telecast last night, I believe, I think it was a second and third situation where Soto basically ran out of bat, hit the ball off the off the, the, the end of his bat, lazy fly ball to left field, not deep enough to score the run. And that's just one swing, that's one individual thing. We're not used to seeing him bail out the way that he is, uh, especially against lefties. Right, I mean, think about some of the, the the great moments that he's had against left-handed pitching. Think of the 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 line drive bullet that ended up going past uh, Grisham in right field that scored the runs uh, against Milwaukee, staying in against a 98 mile hour fastball from Josh Hader. Think about taking a, a breaking ball in Atlanta to left center field from a 440 foot home run. You don't do that without being 
in and on your A hack. And so what's happening right now, and a little bit of a mechanical deep dive, you can watch it. Kevin Franz did a great job of pointing this out last night on, on one of the replays. He fouled the pitch previous off, talking about Soto in that uh, runners in scoring position at bat. His right hip, his front hip, is pointed towards second base at the time the bat is going through the contact zone. That means your front shoulder is open. That means you're basically pulling across the strike zone. So a pitch, think about what he's so good at. When he's right, drilling the ball to the opposite way, left center, left field, you know, he could spray the ball foul pole to foul pole, right? That home run he hit uh, in the World Series, that oppo boppo, that absolute nuke to left center field where the big boys go uh, on pull side. He can do that as good or better than anybody. He's not doing that right now because you run out of barrel as you're pulling across the zone instead of everything through, everything through, everything through. If you remember back to when, um, when Bryce Harper was here, even now as you watch him on television, between almost every swing, He'll take that right hand and almost like he's doing a backhand slap to the air, push it towards center field, push it towards center field, push it towards center field. That's what Soto's got to get back to. He's not doing that right now, and you could see him tense up with runners in scoring position trying to do extra instead of trying to do what he's capable of, which, by the way, is among the two or three best hitters alive. Well, it's radio, right? So I can't show you his spray chart, but I'm looking at it. And if you could see his spray chart, you would see that he is pulling the ball way more this year. Yep. To your point. I mean, as far as the power goes, he's got eight home runs. Well, six of those are to the pull side. For him, normally, I mean, pull side is where the power often is. Sure. He's left center, though, a lot. He's down the left field line, flirting with the foul pole at Nationals Park. There's nothing like that. He's got one to center field and then one to traditional left field this season. But even the singles and the doubles, I mean, he's got total this year, basically like five hits, maybe six, depending on how you quantify this one, to true left field of all the hits that he's got on the season. So that's somewhat telling. Going through some of the numbers, a deep dive. And again, I want to quantify or qualify that I am not worried about the production of right. Juan Soto. Nor but I. I'm just trying right now to give you an example of some of the things that he's not quite doing at his usual MVP of the league, best hitter in baseball type level. His average exit velocity right now is 89 miles an hour. Last year it was 93. It's been 92 or better every season since his rookie year. It's 89. His uh, launch angle right now is actually the highest that it's been since 2019. He's popping the ball up a lot. He's actually, you you can almost see it because he grounded out a lot. He hit a lot of double plays last year. I think he's trying to hit the ball in the air, and he's kind of tomahawk chopping sometimes. And the ball's lifted, but in the infield or shallow outfield occasionally. Sweet spot percentage was 33% in 2020, 36% in 2019, was 30% last year. He's finding the sweet spot about 25% of the time this year. Expected batting average, and I like that better than batting average because it kind of tells you yep. you know, what you control. 332, 305 the last two years, 285 right now. Now, his expected slug is higher than it was last season, which is a good sign. His expected woba is about what it was last year, down from 2020. By and large, though, he is better than people think. He's playing at this moment. He's been really good. And if you're you know, trying to rank him among all the players in the National League, he's in the top 20 right now offensively as just an overall hitter. It's just not quite Soto. But we, we talked about chase rate, I think, on one of our first podcasts. He's normally 100th percentile in chase rate. Like the best in the sport or tied right there, best in the sport at not expanding the strike zone. He's in the 86th percentile now. Now that's still considered upper echelon. That's really, really good. But this is the first time we've seen this from him. The result is, while he's still great at not striking out, he's got more walks than strikeouts, which nobody does, he's got his highest strikeout rate he's had since he was a kid, you know, back in 
in the 20 teens. So this is what he's working on. He's trying to iron out. It's going to happen. It just gets more difficult, Danny, when Nelson Cruz isn't really doing much. Other than Bell in this lineup, Hernandez has been on a heater. I don't know how long that sustains. He's not going to get a lot of help. This has always been what's amazing about him to me. Bryce Harper can't do what Juan Soto does because Bryce Harper eventually expands the zone or you walk him or you, you know, whatever it is, he gets himself out swinging at pitches. He doesn't take enough pitches. Soto's always been amazing at not needing a lot of help to keep being Juan Soto. I just don't know this year how much there's going to be as this season goes on for him. I mean, he's he, really, yeah. it's like him against himself almost. I, I agree with that. I think it's a good assessment. It's a great way to phrase it. I mean, think about that 2015 Bryce Harper season, right? And, and you and I talked about this ad nauseum. Obviously, it was outstanding. It was ridiculous. He was the MVP. But it was that much more incredible because there, were, there wasn't a single other guy on the roster that hit 20 homers. Nobody else had a good year around him. It was Bryce Harper versus the world, so to speak. And and, and Soto's going through a similar lineup thing now uh, with a group that's not competing at the level the 2015 team should have been or was, etc. Et so... For Soto, part of what makes him so special, and the reason I love him hitting second in the order, by the way, is he's one half run producer, the other half run creator, one half on base machine. That's part of his skill set. So hitting him third or fourth exclusively in those kind of RBI spots, kind of, I don't want to say it, 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 it stunts his skill set, but it's also not taking full advantage. So you get that kind of ideal spot in the order for him hitting second, which means, though, it's got to emphasize there's going to be times where you've got to be more patient than you want to be, especially runners in scoring position. You're second and third, nobody out, you know, in, in a, in a four-run ball game, you may not get the cookie. You may not get that pull-side homer pitch, that, that 2-0 keyhole thing that you want. You're still Juan Soto. Part of your game, and a huge part of it, is not expanding the zone not doing pitchers any favors, and taking those walks as they come, even if it means after a couple minutes you're handing the batting gloves and the helmet to the first base coach and trotting out the right field because nothing positive happened after you. That's going to be part of this year. It is an underrated grind and challenge for him to just be the best version of himself while everything's kind of crumbling around him. One guy I want to hit on really quick as well, and we got Joel Hanrahan coming up in just a few, the former Nats reliever, now coaching in single A. He's got some thoughts on some of their top prospects, and we'll get a, a vibe for what it's like coaching in the minor leagues. But Yoan Adone threw the ball really well against the Marlins. When he throws strikes, you can see why they really like this guy. I mean, he's 22 and in the big leagues, and he probably shouldn't be completely fairly to him and, and honestly. I mean, he's probably ticketed for AAA if and when Ross and Strasburg are in this rotation. But Yoan Adone's fastball velocity ticked up against the Marlins. He had only thrown one pitch harder than 97 this season. Uh, he did that, I think, three times. I should say, no, I'm, I'm looking at it here. 11 fastballs at 97 or higher against the Marlins. He'd done that once all year. Touched 98.1 in the first inning, his hardest pitch of the year. Threw his four-seamer on 62 of 84 pitches. So it was basically all fastballs, harder than he'd been throwing them, was pelting the strike zone. When he's doing that, he looks the part. He's a big dude. He can eat innings. I know why they like him. It's just about harnessing it now. And they got him in the big league sooner than maybe they would have liked to. He's leading the, the league in some categories, you know, walks and stuff like wild pitches and hit-by-pitches and whatnot. So he, he has a hard time locating. But you can see that the starter kid is there. I mean, there's some potential for him. And I do think if you fast-forward a couple years, when hopefully, and I'll knock on wood because it never quite works out how it's supposed to, but let's say Cavalli and Henry and, and some of the Cavalry's arrive, I think Adone probably is in that mix somewhere. And and as you touched on, it's probably not fair to him that he's here now, just you know taking the ball every fifth day, not complaining and, and taking his L's, right? But... 
It all depends on the kid. It all depends on the player. I mean, some guys can never have their confidence wane or waver, even as they're experiencing nothing but failure. And again, he, he as you said, he probably shouldn't be at the big league level yet. And it's no disrespect to him. This is the normal course of events. Like, our, our eye line here in Washington has been spoiled by, you know, guys like Soto and Bryce Harper were, and, and Trey Turner for that matter. Of course, you just come up from the minor leagues and are great instantly. And it's just what you do, right? No, this is kind of the normal course of things as guys have to make adjustments at every level. Pretty much everywhere else he's been, he could throw as hard as he wanted and a wipeout breaking ball. And all the hitters are pretty much guys like me that are talking about hitters now at this point because I couldn't do it. These guys at the, at that level at the, in the show, they will punish every single mistake, every tell, every tip, every mislocation you get hit. So he's now kind of learning, I think, on the fly and making some of those tracking adjustments. I think him learning sort of obviously you know, finiting location and, 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 and pitchability, but also beyond that, that sort of adding and subtracting, right? Everything can't be 98. You've got to sort of get hitters off balance in a million different ways at this level. Speaking of Cade Cavalli, we could take a deeper dive into him next week, but their top pitching prospect started on Tuesday night. We're taping this on Wednesday, so last night. Uh, he gave up four hits and five earned runs, got just two outs, and was removed in the first inning. Season ERA sitting at 7.62. I mean, the hope was he was going to be in the rotation pretty soon into the season, but he had to throw well for that to happen. He's not helping himself very much uh, at this point, so we'll have to dissect what's going on with him as we move forward on Bustin' Loose Baseball. Speaking of the minor leagues and prospects on the pitching side, Joel Hanrahan is helping to work with some of those players in single-A Fredericksburg. Let's catch up with the former Nat. Bang, zoom. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 